Welcome back to the channel. It's your boy Tavares, the most inconsistent podcaster there is, but I'm speaking to the most loyal family out there. For those rocking with us, Safa and I, we love you. We appreciate you. We're actually planning some huge things for down the line. If you're listening and you support the family, make sure you're praying. Um, and if you're a person who's never bought our book, GollyDating101Book.com, Discovering the Truth About Relationships in a World That Constantly Lies, be sure to check out our book. Get it for yourself, a friend, someone in your church, someone in your school, whatever. That book is going to bless you. But last week, I, not last week, the week prior, I mentioned the devil's plan for your sexuality. And now I want to talk a little bit about God's plan. So this episode is not going to be too long. I want to make sure I, I give you guys something quick just to focus on because sexuality is a, a massive topic. We would literally have to maybe do a whole month, a series on that. And I'm not planning on doing one on sexuality until later in the year. Um, probably I'll do one sooner because the one later in the year is scheduled to do uh, a month dealing with all lust. Um but I want to talk to you a little bit about this stuff because I honestly believe we don't understand um, the importance or I guess the beauty uh, of God's design for sex. Outside of pleasure, which everyone is after, you know, we don't realize that there is more to it than that. And if you're a person who's not familiar with my voice, familiar with this podcast, you're probably on edge wondering, is it going to be raunchy or anything like that? And no, I want us to understand that sex should not be a taboo topic in the church. Um, while everything should be done decently, you know, in order, nothing should be, you know, perverted, um, I would say. But we have to be able to address these things in the church because there are so many young people who are getting their advice on people that aren't saved or getting their advice on people who aren't, you know, filled with the spirit, aren't born again. So. I would rather the church speak up about truth rather than have ungodly influences. So today I want to talk a little bit about three, just three small things, three small reasons, um, three things that God has in store for your sexuality or what God's plan is in regards to it. First thing I want to talk about is God wants us to show the world that he is to be worshipped and not our sexuality. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 13 says, You say food was made for the stomach and the stomach for food. This is true, though someday God will do away with both of them. But you cannot say that our bodies were made for sexual immorality. They were made for the Lord, and the Lord cares about our bodies. So God made it clear that he never created us just for sex. When we see that God made Adam in a garden, for one, Eve wasn't even there initially. God created Adam for relationship. You know, a loving God needs someone to love. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, but God created Adam for relationship, and God sees that Adam is technically alone. You know, he places him with all these animals, and animals have dominion, and animals can, um, you know, procreate. And Adam has dominion over everything, but Adam doesn't have the way to procreate the way that God would desire. So God provides him with another person, and we see that God created um, the woman and that he connected them. However, before God connected them, before God instituted marriage, before God instituted Adam and Eve, God created Adam for his glory. First Corinthians 6, I believe that's verse 18. It's in First Corinthians 6, but 
God shows us that we are bought with a price, therefore glorify God with your body. So we see that God purchased us. Not only did he create us, you know, create us to live for him, but we all sinned. We've all fallen short. We've all made mistakes. And God decided, I'm going to buy them back through the blood of Jesus Christ. Restore them out of sin. Restore them out of their shame. Restore them out of their guilt so they can be in relationship with me. So now God wants us to show the world that our sexuality, our physical purity, not just not the word purity, because purity is your mind, it's your heart, it's everything you're doing. But God wants to show the world that through our physical purity, we're worshiping him and not our sexuality. And I say that because I believe God gives all of us a sex drive. That's common sense. It's how you are wired. Um, there's some people that are asexual and, you know, they don't have feelings towards the opposite sex or even the same sex. You know, they're, they just don't feel wired that way. And that's honestly um, a real thing, even though it's rare. And we see that God gave the majority of us a sex drive, but we have to understand that God never gave us a sex drive for that sex drive to be our God. So what the world has done is we've, we don't realize it, but they have allowed their hormones to be their guide. They've allowed perversion and darkness and what do I want right now? Or what I'm in the mood. So they feed whatever they're in the mood for, even if it's something that's out of con out of God's context. If it's sex, yes, that's a great thing, but it's out of God's context. So it's not worshiping God through the act. You're worshiping self. So when we're honoring God with our sexuality, we're worshiping him. You know, the Bible says in Galatians 5.24, those who belong to Christ have knelt the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. So we see that God is showing us that Yes, while you may have urges in your body, while you may have inclinations to go towards sin, while you may have the desire to do certain things, you cannot allow those things to become your God. Whatever your passions are, if those things are not submitted to God, they will kill you because your idols cannot give you life. Your idols cannot satisfy you, but they'll always lead to death because they'll lead you outside of God's presence. Only in God's presence, you're going to find life and find joy that lasts. But the moment you start allowing your urges and your hormones to be your God, that's when you lose your way. So we see that God wants us to show the world how to honor him through our bodies, you know, and many of us, we have friends, we have family that are unsaved and, you know, their, their urges are their guide, not just men. Women struggle with lust as well. Women struggle, um, men and women struggle with gender dysphoria and struggle with same-sex attraction um, and all these things. You know, we know many people that will change their entire schedule. If they could get that girl, hey, what you doing tonight? Come through. They will drop everything they can just for a moment of pleasure. So now the Bible tells us in his presence, his fullness of joy at his right hand, there's pleasures forevermore. And then Hebrews, I believe it is, um, where it mentions, I believe Moses, where it's saying he decided to suffer with the people of God rather than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Because sin is pleasurable. Sin is amazing. But it only lasts for a season. And God doesn't want you to allow your sexuality to be your God because it gives you pleasure for a season. However, when you place your trust in him, he leads you towards that godly union. Um, if that's what God wants you, you know, in your future marriage. But he leads you towards that godly union. Whereas now you have sex without shame. You have sex without guilt. You have sex without any type of, you know, issues. And that's what God wants. He wants us to understand that sexuality is not something that should be our God. That's something that is 
It's a part of you, but I believe that that's what the world tries to do. Because a lot of people, if you correct, like say if you say something against um, people in the LGBT community, um, they'll make comments that say, you know, you're attacking me and you hate me and all. And it's like, you don't hate them. You hate the lifestyle. So why would somebody who hates something I'm practicing feel as though I hate them? That's like you saying, I hate football. Like nothing about football. Like I don't think people should do it. It's dangerous. And then the NFL player take it personal and think you're talking about them. When in reality, you're not talking about them. You're talking about what they do. But what Danami tries to do is he tries to label your sexuality with you. He tries to allow you to identify as your sexuality. So me, I'm not even, we can't even say we're heterosexual Christians. No, you're a Christian. You're practicing a heterosexual lifestyle, but your identity is not heterosexual, homosexual, but that's what the enemy tries to do. He wants you to glorify sexuality. God wants you to glorify him. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. And as you are seeking him, your actions are going to glorify him. So, uh, yeah, Jackie Hill Perry, she said it um, amazing. Um, if you're on Audible, maybe the book is still free. She has a book called Gay Girl, Good God. That's a plug. Um, she doesn't follow me or anything, so it's not like <laughs> I'm doing this out of favor. But I, I liked where she put something in the book where she mentioned that the goal um, is not heterosexuality for somebody who's in that community. The goal is holiness. And as you are living a holy life, you're allowing God to cleanse you. He will therefore cause you to not walk into the, the old lifestyle. So that's a great book if you guys haven't read it. But we see in Matthew 19, verse 4 through 5, it says, Haven't you read the scriptures? Jesus replied, They record from the beginning God made them male and female, and he said, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. And the two are united into one. <clears throat> Sorry about that. So we see that God's plan from the beginning was one man and one woman. God is showing that's the proper design for marriage. That's the proper design for how to be in a relationship. And when we do things in a way that God designed, we're glorifying him rather than glorifying um, the things of this world. Because a lot of people get married now, you know, and a lot of them are doing same gender marriages and they think, you know, they say comments like love is love, but you have to understand the enemy wants them to feel as though it's perfectly fine because my sexuality, I, I'm embracing who I truly am, not realizing they're rejecting God in the process, you know, so that's one of the things that God wants us to focus on in regards to our sexuality. The second one, God wants to use your sexuality to unite and to strengthen your marriage. There's a, a hormone. Um, you guys have heard me talk about this. If you listen to other podcasts or many of you guys who are just smart in general, you know, you took certain science classes. Um, there's a hormone and it's called oxytocin. And it's released when, you know, you're in close proximity. Um, you're in like intimate settings. Um, for women, that happens through breastfeeding. That happens through um, childbirth. And that also happens intimately, you know, when you're having um, sex. So what a lot of people don't understand is God created this hormone 
there's nothing wrong with this hormone. There's nothing demonic about this hormone. The hormone is there to unite you. So that moment you're having sex, it makes you have a tighter bond. It allows the moment to be intimate. That's how you, you know, you should, it helps reach to that point of climax because that hormone is being released and it's creating an ecstasy point that you guys feel so connected. Now, the problem with that is God doesn't give you that hormone after you get married. <laughs> it's just in you. You know what I'm saying? So a lot of times when we, we, we have sex outside of marriage, we're not realizing that we're forming emotional, mental, spiritual connections with someone that God didn't want us connected to, at least not yet because we weren't married. So now a lot of people are in relationships that God isn't pleased with because they were determined to have sex outside of marriage. So now they, they feel as though, oh, we're so connected, we're, we're so in love. But truth be told, if you remove sex from some of these relationships, there are a lot of couples that have nothing in common. There are a lot of couples that there is no connection emotionally, but they have that connection because they're, they're, the hormones in their brain is telling them there's a connection. When truth be told, spiritually, they're destructive towards one another. Which is why we can be like Samson and realize this woman just asked us a way to kill us multiple times and yet we're not getting out of the relationship. Many of you know what it means to love God, leave that altar call, and then you go right back to texting that person. You know for a fact it's leading you away from him. <laughs> don't don't leave me by myself. You know what I mean? You know it's you, whoever you listen to, but these in your headphones in your ears, go ahead and shake your head and say, yeah, I've been there. Uh, but it's so easy for us to be in a relationship that isn't healthy, but oxytocin told us it was healthy. So that's why I believe that sex is designed to unite you in marriage. Because even when your marriage feels as though it's rocky, that's a form of intimacy and it's a form of worship, whether you want to believe it or not, because it's creating unity in your marriage. God said the two will become one. So the two become one, that's something that should happen physically, emotionally, spiritually, mentally. You should continuously strive to become one mind um, inside of your marriage, inside of your home. So it's never God's plan for sex to just be uh, a casual act. It was God's plan for you guys to be able to form a connection with this. you know. And I've learned this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, I don't know about where any of you have been in your entire lifetime, but I remember I was at a low point once, and that was probably mainly after getting out of the military because I was so used to structure that I felt as though my life was in shambles, really, when I, there was no order going on. Um, but talking about it and not just like hiding in my cave got me the type of help that I needed. And I believe a lot of people, they want help, but they don't know how to reach out. And if you're one of those people, I honestly think you should give therapy a try. And if you're considering it, BetterHelp is definitely the best option. Let therapy be your map with BetterHelp because a lot of times you're doing things alone and that only makes the situation worse. Visit BetterHelp.com godly today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash godly. You don't have to go through your struggles alone. They have someone that can help you. See, the way the devil works, a lot of you guys, you probably know how he works. When you're single, listen, the devil wants you to sleep with everything moving. If you're a Christian and they're already in church, he wants you to sleep with all the girls in the church. He wants you to sleep with any guy who's showing you interest, the guy who promises you 
uh, we'll get married one day. Or the person who tells you, oh, God forgives. He wants you to sleep with whoever you can, whoever you're in love with, even if you guys know marriage is in the future. He wants you to sleep with them. And then the moment you get married, he will do everything in his power to stop that. <laughs> That's literally where the devil works. And, and I'm not talking about just being busy with school or being busy with work or being busy with um, children. I mean it in a sense of you guys, before you got married, you had every opportunity to have sex. And now that you're married, the devil is tempting you with pornography. Now that you're married, he's tempting you with women on a timeline, with men on a timeline. He's tempting you with somebody in your in inbox or something crazy on your Instagram feed. Whatever it is, that's the enemy's trap. He tries to push you towards sex before you're married. And then the moment you do get married, he tries to separate that. But God desires for you to enjoy sex within marriage. So I read these verses from Paul um, to, to kind of drive that point home. 1 Corinthians 7, starting at verse 3. It says, The husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs, and the wife should fulfill her husband's needs. The wife gives authority over her body to her husband, and the husband gives authority over his body to his wife. Do not deprive each other of sexual relations, unless you both agree to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time, so you can give yourselves more completely to prayer. Afterward, you should come together again so that Satan won't be able to tempt you because of your lack of self-control. I say this as a concession, not as a command. So Paul is making it clear to us here um, that if you, because for one, Paul was encouraging singleness, but he's saying it's better for you to get married than, you know, for lust to be driving your life. You know, go ahead and get married. That's a healthy outlet for lust to to man and woman getting together and they're having a healthy marriage. That is the perfect way to handle if your sexual desires are getting the best of you. But he's saying the husband is the one fulfilling the wife's sexual needs. The wife is the one fulfilling the husband's sexual needs. Not the pictures on social media. Not the, the girls, the girl at work or, or the work husband or whatever nonsense we have out there nowadays. Those are not the outlets for marriage. Sex, the only outlet God is giving you is your spouse. He's not giving you the outlet of Netflix um, with, with these crazy shows. He's not giving you the outlet of your fingers when, when nobody's looking. He's not giving you the outlet of toys and instruments and all kind of nonsense you don't need to be playing with. God says if those sexual desires should be met by the spouse, then what Paul goes on to tell us is that if you're not going to have sex, let it be because you guys have determined a set time from this day to that day. We're not going to have sex because we're fasting to seek the Lord. That kind of shows me that sex should be something that's frequent in marriages. And I've counseled married people. Um, and that's something that all, isn't always common, which goes on to show us that what where Paul tells us that Satan will be able to tempt you the longer you guys are abstaining. So the goal is if we're not having sex, it should be because we're just seeking God, not because you know, there's a set type of separation. It shows that there is, is some, something that is expected, you know. So, you know, I'll probably ruffle some feathers. And I'm not trying to say, you know, every single time the person wants it or anything crazy like that. But you have to understand that God's plan is for you to, he is expecting you to have sex inside of your marriage. And the last thing I'll mention that a lot of people don't talk about. Yeah, this episode is short. Last thing I'll mention, other than pleasure, God's plan for your sexuality and for sex is for creating and raising godly children. So I believe a person said the two greatest forms of evangelism, the two 
to the two greatest ways to build a kingdom. They said either through outreach, you know, you're going out there, you win the loss, and two, making children in the church. So when you see a lost person, you witness to them, you tell them about Jesus, you may invite them to church, whatever. God doesn't work in their life, he begins to turn them around. That adds another person into being born again towards God's kingdom, seeking after the Lord. The only other way is literally the children you create. The children you create, you should be discipling. Um, let me get on my soapbox real quick. Speaking as a former youth pastor, guys, you have to understand the church gets your kids at max five hours in a week. If you guys do Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday, or any type of midweek, or you only do Sunday morning and a midweek, that's probably not even five hours because services are normally about two hours. So I want you to understand, if you want your child to be godly, you're, that is not the pastor's job. That's not your youth pastor's job. <laughs> For those of you who aren't parents and you're only 18 or 25 or 30 or 40 and you don't have children yet, understand that it's not anyone else's job to make you holy. But the goal is for you to seek the Lord because the pastor cannot compete with all of your wasted time on TikTok and Netflix and, you know, whatever else apps there are. Back to what I was saying. So discipleship, something that should start at home. Um, I want to read these verses um, to you guys because they're some of the most powerful verses that are in the Bible. Um, Jews still go by these verses to this day. And I love it because it just talks about the oneness of God. It talks about um, what God expects for us to be teaching our families as well. One thing we really need to know about kids is how creative they are. When I was a child, I loved, you know, putting hands on with things. That was a way for me to learn quickly. And I really believe that's the, <laughs> the way my son learns. Um, but when I was a kid, you know, I'd be happy with like the treehouse we had in the backyard or building stuff with my dad. And KiwiCo, who thankfully is sponsoring this episode, they believe that every kid is naturally creative and curious and that hands-on experiences build creative confidence. And this is something I'm getting from my son. So he's turning five, surprising him. We have something coming in from KiwiCo, so I'm not recommending anything that I wouldn't be um, using for our children as well. But this is created by you know, people that are experts in these areas with creating different fun activities to get kids learning. Because with a kid starting school, you want to make sure that they're being highly engaged. Um, so mine is going to be just building a little project, whereas probably building dinosaurs since that's his favorite. But if you are a parent or you have a younger brother, your younger sister, whether it's in your house or at church, it is very important that you make sure that you get them hands-on projects away from their cell phones because it stimulates their mind in order to grow as, um, you know, as individuals create the, you know, different creative juices, get that flowing in their minds. So that's something I definitely recommend. I'm going to hit you guys back soon and let you know the results of when Zion gets this for his birthday gift. Uh, but my desire for you all is to redefine learning with play. Explore hands-on projects that build creative confidence with KiwiCo. Get 50% off your first month plus free shipping on any crate line at KiwiCo.com slash godly. That's 50% off your first month at KiwiCo.com slash godly. So Deuteronomy 6.4 is called the Shema, which means to hear. Um, Reading from the King James Version, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, 
and shall talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up, and thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontless between thine eyes, and thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and on thy gates. So we see God is telling his people, every opportunity you get, you are teaching your children. God is one to love him with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. You're telling them about the laws of God. You're telling them about the word of God. And that's the reason why those rabbis and those Jews and those Pharisees and all these people who are religious leaders in a Jewish culture, they could literally quote the entire Pentateuch, like the, the, the books of the law. They could quote all of it because their parents have drilled it into their head what it means to live for God. So now, what does that have to do with your sexuality? I want you to understand, God does not want to waste your sexuality. Now, don't get me wrong. God allows some people to be um, struggle with infertility. Some women struggle with infertility. And God causes some to struggle with infertility for a season, like how Hannah did. The Bible said God closed her womb. But the goal is, because a lot of people don't understand, if you have sex prior to marriage and you have a baby... Your sin was an act, but the child, your the, the act was a sin, you know. But the child is still a blessing from God, and you're still expected to teach them the ways of God. So when it comes to God using your sexuality, He wants us in the church to raise godly children. You know what I mean? I'm not saying every married person needs to strive to have seven, ten, thirty-two kids or something crazy like that. But the goal is you have to understand that as you're bringing children into this world. You have to be teaching them the things of God because there are so many children that don't know God in the schools. So me, I may be able to witness on my college campus. I may be able to witness inside my hospital. I may be able to witness, you know, people in my local grocery store, my, my gym, wherever I'm at locally. But I can never go witness inside of an elementary unless I'm a teacher or something. I can't go witness inside of a middle school or a high school. But my child who goes to that school will be able to. So it's God's plan for your sexuality that his glory be made known because if you are doing your job as as a husband, as a wife, as a mother, as a father when your season comes, and many of you are not married and you're probably wondering, how does this apply to me? I don't even know why I'm still listening. You have to understand everything I'm teaching you guys in these episodes is either trying to help you right now or for when you enter into that season. So you have to understand that it's God's desire that you are saturating yourself in his presence, in his will. So when you have children, they're raised in a godly fashion that you've told them, Hero Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. You told them to follow the Lord, serve him, seek him, love him with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. It's, it's your duty to do that because now when you push your kids out into the world, they will be that witness. They will be that light because I know of plenty of young people um, you know, I, did, I didn't know about it when I was younger, but since becoming older, I know of plenty of young people who have started Bible studies in college, started Bible studies in high school. Um, and the youngest I think I've seen is probably middle school, where they reach teachers, they reach other students in the class and have people hearing about God, have people being baptized on, on school campuses. Insane. Have, having um, kids tell their other friends, hey, I'm going to church Sunday, you want to come? And now the kid has to bring their parent because the kid doesn't drive. And the parents end up getting saved. Now imagine how powerful that is. It only takes one person, one child, to witness to another child. A child that I want to be able to reach, but my kid can't. 
I want you guys to hear these verses. Psalm 127, starting at verse 3. It says, Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in a gate. I once heard a preacher reference something that I never really looked at that scripture um, that way. And he was saying, this is a psalm that literally shows warfare. Because it says children are a blessing. It says as arrows are in the hands of a mighty man. You have to think about it. You know, they weren't using guns and pistols. But they would stand back in war and they would shoot an arrow. Sometimes light that on fire. So when it launches into the enemy camp, it could light it on fire. Oh, I felt the Holy Ghost with that. Because if your child is full with the Holy Ghost and on fire and he launches it over there, there's no telling what God can do once the child gets there. But it's saying, happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. Now, many of us who, I have two kids and I'm tired. So people that got six, God bless you. Um, but when it says, happy is the man that hath his whole basket full, you have a whole quiver full of them. Because now you're able to launch it into different cities, launch your children into different areas where they can excel. And this is not a matter of parents controlling the child's future. But God's plan for your sexuality is that you produce godly children. Is that when you guys connect as a husband and wife and you create that child, your son becomes a godly man in whatever area you're shooting him at. Your daughter becomes a godly area at whatever arrow, whatever direction you're shooting this arrow at. So wherever is the trajectory that God is telling you to shoot, now Bible is saying that that man is happy because he's pushing his children out to do the will of God. Children are a blessing. And we have to understand that a lot of people, you know, they're just like, it's just sex. It's no big deal. But then they end up with children not realizing who they are. Um, and this is talking about the parents still. The parent doesn't know who they are. The parent doesn't know the ways of God. So now a child is confused. So when you have a when you have the right view of what God's desire is for sex, now you're able to tell your kids that. Because if your view on it is messed up, your child's view is going to be messed up. Like you have parents encouraging children. Well, they may not be encouraging their children to go out there and sleep around or anything. But when the parent is showing them I'm on my third divorce. Uh, you know, I just met a man at the club and I don't sleep with him. Then what do you think your daughter's going to do? So it's God's goal that we're saving sex for a sacred place. Like people like to say marriage is like a sex is like a fire and marriage is the fireplace that keeps the fire burning and brings warmth to everyone around it. But when it's outside of that context, like in the woods, can burn everything. Sex can be destructive. Because you can produce something that you can't maintain just by allowing hormones and urges to get to you. But that was a lot in talking about sex with just a guy and not having my wife on here made this episode awkward. So I'm sorry for those who had to cringe and listen to it the whole way. Because um, I know you guys love me anyhow. <laughs> but I must, I'm a, <laughs> I need to stop talking foolishness. But I appreciate you guys tuning in. Sorry for the inconsistencies. We still have some guests. We're lined up. We'll talk with a couple people that should be good to go within the next month. And yeah, if you have some topic suggestions, message either Golly Dating or my personal. Because my notifications are off on that page, I don't get to check it as much, DMs as much. But shoot us an email. And you know, we love you guys. 
And we have some great things in store. So stay tuned. Keep praying for us. School is going well. The children are going well. And yeah, that's it. I'll be seeing you next week. God willing. Peace.